And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Uh, Mike, we're here. Third episode of the week. We actually, in reality, just got off the live stream for The Cure. Yes. Which, God willing, will get this episode out, this recording out, either Saturday night or Sunday morning. If you are still interested in donating for live stream for The Cure, for Cancer Research, uh, the Epic Film Guys podcast has been doing a masterful job running the live stream for The Cure for Mm -hmm. three days. You can still donate up until, I think, Sunday night at some point. So Mm -hmm. if you're listening to this Sunday, either Saturday, May 18th, or Sunday, May 19th, uh, you want to go over there, go to twitch.tv backslash epic film guys you can go rewatch our segment i believe that'll sure. be available to you and you can still donate but what we want to do here for purposes of this episode was just recap what we did during our segment live to have a, an episode to put out an audio file uh this week to be our third episode yeah we didn't hit record fast enough and we didn't get yeah. their audio and we we botched the technicals a little bit that's uh, yeah whoops but <laughs> Live, we went live yeah, for once. We did live. You saw what we freaking look like. Now you know we're faces for radio. Now you know why we do what we do. I mean, it was uh, it was very eye opening for all of you in that regard. But the, the metaphor how the sausage gets made usually doesn't apply to two men who look like sausages. But <laughs> Mike, we argued over lighting. It's like, what is this? The double chim camera? What the hell is going on? Can we get a lower how angle on this thing? social media makes everyone look beautiful but us? <laughs> what is going on? There's a glare off the top of my balding head. I hate yes. you so much. Yes. We said that multiple times. And uh, that's why we do this <laughs> into microphones with no picture. But we're doing a podcast version of that episode. So we're going to recap our top five movies and film so far of 2019 uh, we're going to put our oscar spin on them because like we said it is the oscars off season still we're trying to get a little more creative and with that we want to keep a long-running tally of films that have already come out in the early part of 2019 and with an eye towards award season which is going to be coming up faster than we realize because we're in the middle of may right now latter part of may we only have so many more months to burn until the summer movie blockbusters are out yep. then the art house blockbusters are out etc etc you guys know how this is this is going to be our third year covering the awards race with the MMO podcast. So Mike, give me a little bit more detail of why we're covering this in this way today. Yeah, we have a mid-year Oscar race update coming up. We would love to get that out uh, in June at some point. That'll be after six Middle of the year. Middle of the year. (laughs) And uh, we'll be previewing on everything that's buzzworthy at that point. So we'll be going forward uh, in in award season and using our crystal balls. We might do a prediction or two. Mm. We've already been 100% accurate in the past. We always are, yes. Already been. (laughs) And we will be again. So (laughs) we're going to do a little bit of that looking forward. We want to look back, though, tell you about what we've covered. I mean, this was the perfect topic for a live stream for The Cure where we're, you know, introducing ourselves to a lot of new people. Wanted to be on brand for that. So we gave them our top five films of the year thus far. And we'll start with you, Mike. What was your number five? Yeah, my number five, uh, true to form, I'm cheating. I don't do well with numbers. Five, six. Rules. Five, A and B. (laughs) Directions. Goddamn lawyer. (laughs) So I'm having two movies is my number five. I'm picking either Wine Country or Diane. You can split hairs about which is which, but uh, Diane's cheating a little bit because it came out in 2018's Tribeca Film Festival, but both these movies, it's something we've talked about recently on our podcast, how there's this 
wealth of unfarmed land for movie makers to make movies for, featuring, and centered at, targeted at the maturing female protagonist. And there's a whole audience out there that, you know, that movie Palms is coming out that's centered and targeted at that same audience. Sure. It's really just hasn't been focused on. And both these movies do that in very, very radically different ways. They don't make movies for women past the age of 14. We're just getting past the point where they make movies for anyone but white men at all, right? Yes. And yeah. we're hopefully... If it's if this is 19... 2010, <laughs> they didn't make movies for right. women of, of a certain age. Exactly Absolutely. true. And I think there's... I don't know if it's because of the availability of streaming. I don't know if it's because there's, it's so much easier to get a movie made on your own uh, really guerrilla filmmaking style. I don't know if it's because of the plethora of filmmakers out there. Or maybe it's because we did grow up with these... I mean, Wine Country is the Amy Poehler directorial debut. We grew up with them at SNL every week giving us their low and highbrow comedy. Amy Poehler, Maya Rudolph, Tina Fey, they are the stars, they are the directors, they are the ones that put this together. And it's a movie for that sect, for that maturing female audience that we as men can still relate to and find humor in. I laughed a good 20 times. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those kind of movies. Now, it is cheesy as all get out. Of course. But you forgive that. And it's going to be kind of a theme of this episode because we're going to bring up some, you know, uh, criticisms of yeah. the movies we mentioned. None of these are perfect films, but we forgive a lot. And it was interesting to hear how some other critics out there, Nick from Epic Film Guys, and we do this too, Mike. Yeah. We totally do this too. Mm-hmm. We will forgive some sins in films, and then other sins we won't. It's totally it's, subjective. It's yeah. Totally subjective. Absolutely. So there, there's, you know, yeah, this movie gets... Corny. I, I would poop, say, I, I would absolutely agree with that. And I would say they both, both Diane and uh, Wine Country, they focus, they kind of ask the same questions of their target audience. You know, these questions of morality, wisdom, life regrets, friendships, losing friends, being in toxic relationships, being with toxic family members. Have I done enough as a wife, a, a mother, a sister, a friend? All those questions are answered in very different ways. The comedic slant is put on it by Wine Country. Anybody you and I are both raised by very strong, capable, independent women and our mothers, the big matriarchs and the pillars of our families, both anybody that has that type of woman in their life, whether it's your mother, sister, aunt, whatever, if you have that type of woman in their life that always needs to stay stoic and straight and narrow, despite everything around the family dynamic falling down and you wonder how they stay calm. Diane is that uh, you have to watch that movie because it provides so much insight. And I think that's the real trick of both of these. Yes. Their target or target audiences may not be, 30-year-old white men like us, but there's enough in their screenwritings that there's plenty to relate to Yeah, for you us. loved it. So, yeah. $8 purchase for Easy. I have seen films right now on demand. Love Diane. Absolutely did. And it's worth it. That's great. I, I have not seen Diane yet. I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, my number five, Mike, was How to Drain... <laughs> You did, did it again. I did, again. did that live. How to Drain Your Dragon. <laughs> the not-so-hidden world. There's a plumber. He visits a woman in the forest. Yeah, I'm here for the dragon. <laughs> here to drain the dragon. God darn it. Saxophone music from then on out. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. Great visuals, fun story. Mike, I did not expect to, this movie to be as good as it was. I think it's the best animated film contender. Yeah, I want to rate it our version of this because I think there's a lot of cool world building. And sure. There was some action in this movie that would have been crazy if there was blood, if there was a John Wick, if there was anything edgier than what I got where basically everybody cracking jokes while they kill a lot of people. You're hitting on something I didn't get a chance to ask you about during the stream, so it's kind of cool we're doing this. Are you getting 
Does this take a higher place because of your lust for the finale of Game of Thrones? Oh, yes. You think so? You're, but I think this would make a really cool, you know, Oh, HBO you're not alone. Yeah, you're show. absolutely not alone. Absolutely. And it, I love the whole thing with the dragon. It would make an unfilmable show because all the dragon effects on the freaking <laughs> Game of Thrones cost a bajillion, bajillion right. dollars. In the animated version, it costs enough as it is. But, Mike, uh, visually, both of the first two films were stunning as well. Just flying through the air, flying, you know, over the water. Mm. Like, because this is a, a setting at the water with the Vikings. They had, you have all of that. And there's actually a strong story here that made me tear up, I must say, at the end of the whole franchise. And I was shocked that that happened. I was like, wait, what's going on with my eyes? <laughs> what is that salty discharge? <laughs> at the end of that movie. And I was just like fitting it in before Captain Marvel. And I was amazed that I liked it as much. So as you saw it as a double feature when you went to see Captain Marvel as well. You just yeah. had the time you popped in. Did Is it fair to say this may be your most pleasantly surprising movie of the year thus far? Oh, the pleasant surprise of the year. Yeah. yeah, I expected these other ones to come through for me. I figured they would. We do enough research mm-hmm. that, that we, uh, and we know the filmmakers. Yeah. yeah, so we figured. And they actually exceeded some of our expectations. Sure. But this was... Base not low ex totally low expectations, but I didn't have high expectations, which is the opposite of low expectation. I'm glad I'm going on this rant. Did I mention we just went live and I was a mess of nerves? You did great, honey. Uh, number four for me, Captain Marvel. I was actually flip-flopping between this and what I have ranked at number three because I think as I get further away from seeing both films, mm-hmm. I actually feel better about Captain Marvel and I'm feeling worse about number three, but I'll keep this at number four for now. Uh, th- this is just everything you wanted from that female MCU protagonist leading lady character that we finally have after 20 films and after 10 years. And I, I hear all the criticisms all the time and God knows if you're on the internet you see them she's a deus ex machina she's too powerful she's a virtual god in the land of superheroes uh she's being forced down our throats because she's just fan service to placate the people that need a female superhero she's way too powerful you're fucking right yeah she is and she should be because when you take this long you are playing with high stakes as it is you better get the character right and i think they did Superman has kryptonite, right? Mm. And that's a very obvious way to write yourself out of the corner of a god fighting lesser mortals, right? In Captain Marvel, both the movie and the Avengers Endgame uh, spot that she has, right? Spot in the cast. They write out the invincibility. And it's it's really smart and it's really creative. Absolutely. And I'm all about it. And I, I tip my hat to him when it happens. And it's also an arc in the first movie because in the first movie she's realizing her power. And that I got news for you folks. It's the same thing that happened in Wonder Woman. Same arc in Wonder Woman that is a beloved film. And it worked like a charm there. Now you add all of the Marvel formulas of tension relief, of action comedy, and I just thought they did a masterful job. We were worried about, throughout the march and lead-up of the trailers, does she have enough personality in these trailers, she did not. Does we she were have enough out. personality? Are they going to rely purely on sexuality? As right. we saw that first Comic-Con trailer was her in a shower, which I don't think made the final cut, thank God. Yeah, but then the movie comes out and you say Shades of Tony Stark. I mean, it's basically... It's the, a, it's the smartest thing yeah. they did with the Carol Danvers personality and the, the characteristics of her. They basically took the smarminess, the arrogance, the personification of Tony Stark, and they put it in Carol Danvers. And they yeah. said, if you like Tony Stark and you don't like Carol Danvers... 
Guess what that makes you? <laughs> and I think it's really yeah. smart. And, they, and then you got Shades of Indiana Jones and Shades mm-hmm. of Star-Lord, Chris Pratt from Guardians there. So I just, I thought it really worked. Now, is it a perfect movie? No. 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 It's got flaws. We went over it ad nauseum in our, in our OSP. There's a couple really awkward scenes there. Sure. And that bother us both. And there is a point where they falter with the whole godlike power. Sure. And where they don't explain it away quite as well as we would like. And that happens with Superman. That happens with Wonder Woman. It's a tough... It's tough. We haven't had a, a successful Superman movie in years. But if she's all-powerful, how do we deal with right. that? It's always going to be a problem. Sure. Like, why doesn't she do this? That's the, oh, the audience objection. So you got to joke those away. you got to work it in. Right. And obviously, you got to write yourself out of it. But that's both our number fours. We like the movie, and we gave it B+. And I, I think that's important. It's a B+. It's number four. We haven't really been overloaded yet in the first five months with Oscar contending movies. I think that's important to highlight. I would say these next three that are the same for both of us Mm -hmm. certainly are and we expect them to be heard about come Oscars. Yeah, and that being said, best animated feature and best visual effects, my five and four, how to drain your dragon and Captain... (laughs) Marvel. That might be at the AVN Awards, the adult, uh, <laughs> the adult video awards. For you, Mike, you you said on the live stream you didn't think Diane was gonna. Get I don't into think the so. I think this is going to be a loaded year. I don't even know if Diane is necessarily uh, um, available because it oh, came out in Tribeca eligible. in twenty eighteen. Yeah. yeah, eligible. But I, I don't. I just don't see it. I think it's more. It's something I wanted to highlight just because it went in so well in step with what we were talking about. And I think it's so important that there is this world out there sure. that for this available audience that's probably desperate to have films that they can relate to after only 100 years of movie making. It's cool you mentioned it too because every year, top 10s, top 5s on our list, and I'm glad we did right. this on the live stream, every year we have movies that aren't close to being Oscar films in our top 5s, mm-hmm. our top 10s, our top 3s. In my past, I've had them in my top one. Certainly, yeah. My number one film, not not even sniff an Oscar, sniff a red carpet. So we're all about loving movies, and I don't care if yeah. it's a snooty critic pick That's or not. That's why we're trying to market ourselves. We increase the funny and take out the stuffy of the Oscar season. We're, trying, we're trying to be to an alt-Oscar pod yeah. without using the word alt. You have to stop saying that. <laughs> no, even just saying it sounds bad. Uh, my number three is your number two. We're yes. going to talk about it in tandem. It's Jordan Peele's Us, Mike. Why is it your number two? batshit crazy idea that he somehow pulls off and he does so in the way that i mentioned earlier i forgive the flaws of this movie because scene for scene it is so good there's literally one just textbook awesome scene after another but also just super entertaining and the the goods delivered mike I haven't seen anything like this movie. This is one of those experiences that is just so unique. And it goes with the performance by Lupita, with the uh, music, and turning that great song from the trailer. I'm always digging a song in a trailer, of right? Of course. To get the reprisal in the film. The actual Playing film. an integral role. Like, aren't, you, aren't you always getting mad? Like, why didn't they use that great song? Yes. Why didn't they use Bohemian Rhapsody and Suicide Squad? <laughs> That's why I went to go see the movie, because of Bohemian Rhapsody. I love it so much. They used I've Got Five in it in a superior way in the actual film. If I were to tell you on the heels of Get Out, that guy is going to write a dance breakdown scene as a critical scene in his <laughs> next movie. Uh, you're either joking at me, you're making fun of me, you know, like, you're not going to buy that, and... This just speaks to the vision of Peel to actually pull this off. 
I also want to comment on the criticism because this is probably the most easily of the movies we're going to talk about. Right. It's the most criticized, yeah. right? I firmly, firmly believe in when we did the Us OSP, I've only been strengthened in my resolve this since. And I said this then. I firmly believe he did this movie with the intention of giving you a billion different threads that you can find relatability in. Sure. And then grasping onto whichever one appeals to you most, as opposed to writing a movie with one overarching theme, whether it's just about the homelessness issue, just about race in America. I don't think he did. I think he intentionally did that. I wouldn't give that benefit of the doubt to many auteurs. Right. It's not an allegory in a simple way. Right. It is just, this is symbolism, right? Exactly. Threads of symbolism, like you said, or or however you want to call it, it sparks your imagination. Right. Is what it does with all those threads. And, and that's what's so so much fun. What I want to go through is some of the criticism. I highlighted this during the live stream. Yep. I, I didn't, we're not naming names, but there's some big periodicals out there that I did pick and choose some criticisms from. And I just wanted to run them by also, Mike, and have you give your thoughts as to what you think about them. Yep. Because like I said, I do believe this is, Easily a 50-50 movie as far as widening acceptance of it. As I don't think it's beloved. Based I don't on think your read, our read, right. critical read of the audience. Exactly. By the numbers, right. Yeah. So here's the first one. Audiences don't really like this movie. Whether you go by the Rotten Tomatoes audience score, which was a 65% at last check, or a user-friendly rating site like IMDb, which is a 7.3 right now, us fall short of being considered the masterpiece some critics want to hail it as because clearly audiences don't find it favorable. Now... Even those numbers, we can do math, 35% and then 20-something percent, right? Mm. So even that's a small minority compared to how many people like it. So just in the fact that he references the numbers and then he said most people don't like it <laughs> is a dumb statement. That's a dumb statement because then you should have audience scores that go against it by the numbers. Yeah. Gets well, me angry. Well, comment, though, more towards the acceptance of this by lay people, by people that just want to go see a movie. We wondered what kind of a mystery it would be, right? We wondered if it was going to be like a get-out suspense film, mm-hmm. which is more suspense goods, more Hitchcockian than it, and, and horror goods, right? Then it is a puzzler. And this, the mystery of this film is actually the mystery of this film. Of the film, yeah. And it's, it's, it's less of a crowd pleaser in that way and it's more of a think piece and it's more of a puzzler certainly more of a think piece absolutely you get away from one viewing and you're like huh what the hell did i just watch i know i enjoyed the (laughs) hell out of these chef's kiss scene one scene after another but do i really understand it what is he trying to say is it's over the top in its message did the mythology overreach i mean he's going for too much is he guillermo del Turri with the golden army with a you know is it too much but i think you have a few exposition dumps that are a little awkward at times but otherwise i forgive this movie it sins and mike i think people come out of this not being so forgiving and because it's a puzzler they get frustrated with it. i think you hit you hit the highlight for me is that on the heels of get out which was so in your face you know, with its message and what its symbolism but meant. But it's also and what it focused, right? I mean, that one, you know, unravels like an onion the right. more you study it, which is a great, great job. Filmmaking, yeah. yeah, great filmmaking, great screenwriting, great everything. All the layers are done right. But bottom line is it's easy to grasp. Yes. You get it right. in one viewing. I, I, I absolutely think there's something to that. So you probably weren't expecting that if you were going to the audience. Second criticism, the whole isn't as good as the sum of its parts. Like you say, Lupita Nyong'o is great, for example, but it fails as a horror movie due to a complete lack of suspense. I was shocked Ridiculous. to read this one. 
I was shocked. Suspense. I, I mean, I was on the edge of my seat. I was dying. I was dying to know what was going to happen next. I the audacity of the metaphor is one thing, yeah. and how is he going to pull it all together is another thing. And Mike, I, I haven't been that engrossed in a film in a long damn time. I, I love their. There's metaphor. obvious horror goods in this. There's obvious suspense goods in this. Is it is it a Hitchcockian homage from scene one to the end, like Get Out? No, no. I would agree that it is not. But it's like, purposefully not. That's not what he was going for with this either. These scenes are suspenseful in the sense that audience knows something the characters do not. Every action sequence of this film, and there's a bunch of them, Mm -hmm. the audience is ahead of the characters to a degree. And that's, that is literally the filmic definition of suspense. Now, is the audience chasing the plot? Yeah, but are they ahead of the characters? I don't know. I, I don't I think so. No. Sometimes maybe they are. Sometimes they're mm-hmm. not. It depends on the audience. Not until member. the you know the last scene, basically. Yeah. Right. So the the audience is behind right. the characters in that regard. So by the technicality of it, on um, as a whole, is it the definition of suspense? Maybe not. I'll give him a little more credit than I gave him on the live stream. But this the action, the horror. That's, to say there's no horror goods is absurd. But those are suspense, literally yeah. suspense goods. By the definition, yeah. By the definition. Uh, this one we both kind of do agree on. This is the third biggest criticism. Peel overthought himself into a corner and his overall arch suffered for it. Now, we both did say uh, when we were reviewing this that the exposition dump, he relies so much even on like Easter eggs as part of the exposition because yeah. there's so much to get into to get to where he wants you to be with these characters. So maybe there is a little bit of that, right? Cl- clarity is king in screenwriting, right? The audience has to be able to follow the through line for a popular film. For the audience, you know, talk about backlash, right? They would have been really upset if they didn't know what was happening. So sometimes it's safer to just dump the exposition, do it the best you can, and make sure that they're with you. Right. And this movie definitely does that. They're poetic in what they say in those exposition dumps. It is not. You know, the people going down to see Michael Myers on an elevator at the, at the whatever, <laughs> Halloween, whatever. God got no place down here. <laughs> Halloween 4, Halloween 5, whichever one that was. Uh, it's not that Also, level. Michael Myers killed his sister 14 years ago. <laughs> but there's a couple evil monologues. Yes. And they're pretty fun. They have a great performance at the center of it. And I'm in. And they didn't bother me. We talked about it. Upon rewatch, they didn't bother us as much as they did on no, the first time. I, I agree. And it didn't so, bother you at all, really. No, I, I didn't get bogged down in it at all. And I, again, I it, it's it's subjective criticism, which is right. what we do anyway. Do you give Peel that benefit of the doubt that he did this purposefully and it was done with that artistic touch? I say yes. And the same way that we said yes, that Ryan Gosling did choose to play his first man role, that reserved, and he should get credit for it. Right. That's there's other people that disagree with us. That's the whole nature of the business here. Sure. Let's moving on here. So us was my three. It was your two. We'll talk about your three and my two, which was Apollo 11. A movie with visuals. Unlike anything I've ever seen. This was stunning. Mike, I thought I was a Jawa at the foot (laughs) of the big ship, which is amazing to see at the beginning of star Wars, by the way. (laughs) And I was in real life at the, in the movie theater. And we did not see this in IMAX. We saw this in a regular movie theater, Mm. uh, with the, the the lush seating. It was you, me and one other man in the theater, (laughs) but the sound, the sound that this director and CNN films, Todd Douglas Miller was the director. The sound they did. I, 
It's unlike anything I've heard in a regular movie theater. Yeah. It puts you in a rocket. Your seat is shaking sure. like a rocket when this thing's going off, like you're on the base of Cape Canaveral watching this thing got shot up into space in 1969, which, by the way, they shouldn't have been doing. <laughs> it looked like a hunk of junk. Yeah. Even in the real footage. Oh, my we God. Thought it, we thought it was scary looking in First Man. Yeah. Right? We were commenting on the fact that this does not look safe. <laughs> and then, obviously, Damien Chazelle was showing us that it was unreliable. <laughs> at best, unsound at best, and it may, you know, heighten the quote-unquote suspense uh, of the film in that regard. So, Mike, this movie also does the opposite, where it focuses your eye on something small, whether that's a ticking clock, yeah. which is the definition of oh suspense, my God. and a faraway visual. Like, we have a faraway spaceship that looked like a bug or a speck or a, some malfunction on the screen <laughs> that we're staring at. Like, what the hell is that? And As it I, slowly comes into view and comes into view. If and... I was at home, yeah, I would go, shoot, <laughs> I would go up to the TV, get away from my screen, stop pooping and having your maggots on my screen. This is not, and I've said this before and I've said it ad nauseum at this point, this is not a documentary. This is an event for me. I think there's no voiceover narration, there's no expository narration, there's no narration whatsoever. This is just a day in the life of people at NASA deciding to send these brave men, these heroes, up into space mm -hmm. to go walk on the moon when they're taking their lives into their hands and just, it's a whole group of people that say, oh, what happens? Let's see what happens. Yeah, and not, that's that's the extent of the thought. It's like a historical document. It's exactly what it is. And it's just jaw-dropping in the visuals and, and it really in the composition as well, but the composition is not your typical documentary. So if people go in expecting that, and expecting, you know, to have Buzz Aldrin. I was. I'll be honest. Right. That's what I expected. And it's amazing that you came out of this movie just blown in away. awe, blown, blown away, away of it, even though you did not get what you thought you would get. And it's yeah. it's not one of those documentaries like most documentaries are now. This was more akin to, like, an amusement park ride than it is to going to see a movie. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's like an interactive thing. We can talk about, and we did this on the live stream, we could talk about... What a mess the documentary feature category is at the Academy. Sure. Because, I mean, the Mr. Rogers thing last year is a total joke. You could argue that Jane the year before being omitted altogether is a total joke. That category is beyond re repair right now. I wonder if they go against some of the more popular films. Like, the Won't You Be My Neighbor made a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Did really, documentary, really well. Yeah. I wonder if they go against certain genres within documentaries uh, in general. They don't like biodocs as the as an academy, as a, as a section. Well, you of say that, and then they nominate RBG. Typically, they put one bio. If they're going to go with a biodoc, they only go with one. Yeah. And that was a lot of the Monday morning quarterback on, on best documentary category. I get that still just absolutely wrong of them to leave that movie out like egregious egregiously yeah. wrong because egregiously. that that was an american institution in mr rogers it was a a, a glass ceiling breaking financial success for a documentary yeah. it was a, a subject we all can relate to and it had a message and stakes attached to it to me like the cinematic goods delivered of mr won't you be my neighbor just superior to the other films and it, it just Existed in our grades. Yeah. I mean, we had an A minus grade for mm -hmm. Mr. Rogers, and we had B's for most of the others right. at the end of the day. And I love Free Solo. I loved it. I had that was actually another A minus. Actually, yeah, you had a so that other than Free Solo, I had all B's. On the rest now of that said, this has to be nominated. I mean, how many times in this day and age do you actually have something that Americans can actually get behind in unison and yeah. feel good about the country about? That's that's true too, and that's that's something that. 
you know, your Republican friend right. to go watch Apollo 11 right now. I think it's on VOD and enjoy the hell out of it. And we can shake hands and hug. Right. Like, Americans. And be like, oh, man, this country actually is good. Go America. <laughs> but uh, I, I said it on the live stream, and I, I think it, it holds. To me, it was like the first visit to D.C. It was like my first visit yeah. to Yankee Stadium. And it had that effect on me visually. And I was just like, it's a great comparison. oh, my God. You're I can't all. believe we had... Jawa ships of that size <laughs> transporting, putting grown men in giant tomato cans and just throwing them in the air and hoping they land someday. <laughs> Whoever was filming it back in 1960s really had an eye. They must have had a great cinematographer. They went from, through like, cinematography for that for some of these shots, going row by row by row. I, there's some somebody was making a movie. Yeah, somebody was making a movie from the Incredibles. Outside. Yeah, uh, so that's your three. My Maybe that's two. what Kubrick did. Back in the day, that's that was thrill. That's why. That's why the footage was laying around. Yeah, that's why there's so many theories. Uh, we both have the same number one though. Avengers Endgame with a bullet a, is a movie that I never thought would be able to meet my expectations. Never mind surpass them. We did five preview podcasts on this, uh, and that was just in this series that we did over the last yeah. month or so. We also covered each one of the trailers couple in their own episodes, a couple on MMOW. We basically kept you up to date with Avengers throughout the past year. And by the way, we kind of covered the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe in last year's... <laughs> Going up to Infinity War, yeah. ...major rewatch. And this year we're doing Pixar. Last year we did that. And we just just loved every, you know, every minute of this ramp-up. We, we never thought it was going to live up to it all. And, Mike, this surpassed my expectations and i don't know if i've been as satisfied with a movie in the last 20 years maybe you've got to go all the way back to lord of the rings and that was in 04 or whatever late yeah. 2000s there. if you look at other long reigning institutions and in entertainment right now the last jedi people were outraged game of thrones this year people are outraged there's a petition with half a million signatures on it sure to rewrite it which great job guys uh this is a 10-year-long odyssey spanning 20-something films. And by and large, for the most part, yep. everybody has at least been... Oh, that was good. You know, like, or, at the very least, yeah. there hasn't been this rash of outrage towards this one to thing. To be fair, like, Nick from Epic Film Guys doesn't love it as much as we do. Which is do, fine, yeah. But he recognizes that the end of the film is awesome. Unbelievable And, and there's, there's so many awesome things to mention about the end of the film. He has some issues with Act 1, and that's understandable. Which we, we, we highlighted in yeah, our review, agree. by the way. And it's, again, it's that subjective criticism. You could have, there are issues in this. It is not a perfect movie. I don't think it's going to win Best Picture. Picture, I hope it gets nominated because I do think it deserves at least that much. Uh, we're Oscar critics. We see a lot of these ducks yeah. throughout the years. This is quacking like a duck. I think it's it's totally worthy of it. To me, it's blockbuster filmmaking that's innovative as well. Like to give fan service that also, I mean, I think just think about what it does in Act Two. And all of that fan service, to weave that into the drama of this plot, when even Nick mentioned that's when it gets going. It's, it's people people named Nick that have brought the most to light for this because you talk yeah. about another Nick, Nick Mundy, who we reviewed sure. this movie with. And like I said during the stream, and I'm sorry to repeat it again here, but I 
He brought up Nick Mundy when he was on our show talking about how in the world does this script exist that it's, it's able to placate so many people and weave in all these plots and give every hero their moment and give every callback its moment and do it so seamlessly and fulfillingly and satisfactorily. How can you possibly say this doesn't get a nomination for adapted screenplay? And even more so than Best Picture, and I give all credit to Nick Mundy for this, but even more so than Best Picture, this has to be nominated for adapted screenplay for me. And it's amazing, too. Usually you see a movie like this and you look it up on IMDb, and at this size, this scope, I mean, this industry-wide, you know, tentpole is going to have... How many drafts by how many different mm -hmm. writers? Just look at Pixar and look at their story yeah, machine. Yeah, great point. And it's very different here. You have Christopher Marcus. You have Stephen McFeely only getting the screenplay by credits. You have Lee, Kirby, and all Starlin. All of the comic book people yep. getting their credits. That's it. You have two guys working with the directors. That's obviously working with Marvel. Marvel, But this is a singular vision. Yeah. And I think that's why it's a more cohesive vision. And I, why the story works so well. There's more to it, obviously. The emotional impact that both you and I and everyone else felt. I am not a man that cries at movies. I've cried at, I've teared up at one movie in my life ever yeah. prior to Endgame. I saw Endgame three times. The latter two times, I knew what was coming. Dude. And I tried not to cry. <laughs> and I still got misty-eyed and teary-eyed. It didn't work. <laughs> that doesn't happen to me in movies. I'm not that guy. I'm trying to think up for sure. Up did it to you. Up did it. Pixar's I'm, up. I'm not regretting getting to that movie, by the way. <laughs> it just got me again. Yeah, I, it got I'm me sure. again. I rewatched it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I watched it. My brother, like, can't believe this. Did you see this? And we laughed about it. We laughed, but did you see it? He's like, I'm really trying hard not to get it. Don't look at me. It was really funny. And Avengers Endgame was kind of like that. And I, I mentioned on the live stream, it was like, this guy next to me, and I told Nick, Monday and Haskins. <laughs> He, this guy next to me just spit cried and just went to like straight to ugly crying right there. He's just like, <laughs> next to me at this biggest moment in Act Three, and I literally patted him on the shoulder. We stared and we locked eyes and we we had a good moment. I will remember you. It was my second viewing. I was like doing the film critic thing. All right, I'm going by myself to see this again. Right. And then I went with uh, you know family later on. But my second viewing, like it's just me. I got a leather seat. Let's do it. Random guy next to me. Every show was sold out, by the way. I saw it in the first three days. I agree. Pat him on the shoulder. <laughs> Have a moment. <laughs> so that is our top five as it stands right now. A little preview, a recap of what we did on the live stream in case you missed it. A little preview of what's coming in another month or so when we do our Oscar midway review preview for the rest of the year. Uh, we want to know, obviously, what your top fives are. And did you see any of these movies, especially on the latter half of the list? Did you see How to Train Your Dragon 3? Did you see Diane, Wine Country, any of those? Let us know your thoughts about those. Let us know where we are wrong or right. You can reach out to us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram. MMM. And Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available everywhere. You hear podcasts, tune in, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, Mike, you want to let him in on what's coming up uh, for the rest of this week? So, we're going to have Mike, Mike, and Oscar weekly. We're going to record that Sunday. So, the last few weeks, we've been recording a Monday so that we can get Game of Thrones in. Life is going to get into the way mm -hmm. this week. It's just unavoidable. I just have scheduling conflicts all day Monday. So we're going to record MMO Weekly on Sunday and then a Game of Thrones episode on Tuesday. Basically, Probably a Devil in the Advocate episode. Yeah, a data episode. We haven't done one of those in yeah. a while. Reacting mm -hmm. to Game of Thrones in its own episode. So we'll have fun with that. We'll That'll be the first time. specifically TV-only episode, I think. Mike, Mike, and Emmy is starting here by... Unless you count the Paul Heyman one we did. 
here forthwith, forthwith. Yeah, I guess that's <laughs> you know Paul Heyman is WWE. Yeah. I mean it's on so pay per view too. Yeah. But so we're gonna we're gonna have those two episodes out for you next. Then we're gonna get into up, and we may have some guests soon. I don't want to shout them out just yet to do a current movie, and we have another big announcement coming up. I'll I'll drop the first teaser for that about another rewatch series we're gonna do. We promise too much. We promise the world. We really overpromise. Uh, hopefully, we can overdeliver as well. Four episodes a week. Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Tell your friends. Leave us a comment uh, and leave us a review on iTunes. Those really go a long way. If you have a couple seconds to hit those five stars, guys. When reality sucks, keep watching movies with us. We're going to try to make award season year round with more of the funny and less of the stuffy. Uh, hope you enjoyed this. Hope you can catch our live stream. Twitch.tv backslash Epic Film Guys. There's still time to go donate. They're trying to hit seventy five hundred dollars for cancer research. Please do go. Donate. It's a great cause. They are doing a fantastic the job. Uh, and we will see you all later on this week. See you.